Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Social Night. And tonight we will be talking about Woodstock 99, which the whole festival is available on YouTube. This was Andy's pick. So let's just start off. Andy, why did you choose this? So uh, Woodstock 99 is a really weird thing. You know, I think that like so much of American music in the 20th century is is about like this like extreme change from you know a lot of instrumental music and jazz eventually to rock and then you have this culmination of it all in the late 90s with this really aggressive intense music and uh you know the the 90s in general are just weird because you start with bands like Nirvana who are you know kind of like uh dare I say deeper and then you end with bands like Limp Biscuit and Creed. So I think that this is just a very interesting look at a bygone era in music. Yeah, completely agree. But uh, I just remembered we forgot to introduce ourselves. Again, I'm Maddie. Who would like to go next and introduce themselves? I'm Andy. I'm the promotions director. <laughs> I'm Max. I'm the production director. I'm Amber. I'm the program director. And we all work at Impact. That's right. WDBM. That's right. East Lansing. Miss you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So, basically, we all watched some sets from Woodstock 99, which this was my first time viewing this, but it was just a crazy thing to watch nowadays. I'm going to sound so old saying this, but, like, seeing, like, just such a big festival where everybody doesn't have, like, phones with cameras on them. Yeah. It's like completely throwing themselves into the music. I feel like if I was there during this time, I would just like, because at at concerts, I totally worry about my phone at all times and like, oh no, is my phone falling out? Like, am I worried about this? But like this, they're just like fully into the music. They're just throwing themselves at each other. It looks like an amazing, totally wild experience. Yeah, I think that it's interesting because a lot of my information on this is a from another podcast called Podcast 99, which I would totally recommend to anybody who's interested in this topic. And a lot of people who talk about, who were at the festival, talk about it being like a really fun time. But at the same time, there are a lot of instances of violence and assault at this festival, because like I said, a lot of this music is hyper-aggressive. And one of the things that I wanted to get into is the way that this festival was planned, it really wasn't oriented towards those who were staying there. So there were a lot of people who, um, it it was a camping festival. So a significant amount of the people of the audience was staying there overnight. And a lot of the conditions were inhospitable, should you say. They had like water was equivalent to like $6 nowadays. Food was pretty expensive. And at one point, there was like water lines that broke that were supposed to go to to water fountains. So they just, you know, didn't have a lot of water fountains. And to add to that, wasn't the weekend was just scorching hot, wasn't it? Yeah. So it's not only just scorching hot, it's actually in like a demilitarized Air Force base. So as you can imagine, I mean, it's pretty empty. There are not a lot of trees to get some shade under. Uh, You're dealing with a lot of heat. It's a brutal upstate New York summer heat. Yeah, in the middle of July, wasn't it? Like, or end of July? It's, yeah, it's, it's late July 1999. Yeah. In Rome, New York. 
when in Rome. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I suppose. Um, like, I've heard a lot about the festival having a lot of just like riots because of like the water shortage and people just going crazy because I feel like it wasn't as heavily like filled with security guards and everything. So it was just very yeah. free for all. And like, again, rock music and a lot of like heavy rockers, but. Yeah, no, I think that, that it's funny you mentioned the security. The security was actually called the peace patrol <laughs> and you can see them there. They, they will always wear these yellow shirts and that they were at up at the front at you know all the all the the shows and they have these giant shirts that say peace patrol but it, it's funny because you know i guess not funny but the like hyper masculinity that like a lot of these bands represent are really a uh, a bygone era you know mm-hmm. uh, not a lot of bands in the mainstream anymore represent the same like anger and violence that these bands did so as the festival went on, it, it went from being this festival that was about, you know, the revival of peace, love, and happiness or whatever, and more towards uh, this chaotic, angry, constant mosh pit. Yeah, I think it's just totally surreal to see a sea of people flocking to these bands that, like, corn. I, I don't know, I just would never imagine yeah. people, like, gathering for that, but... um. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, in terms of, like acts that like were incited all this violence and rioting uh would limp biscuit be a good place to start i think limp biscuit is the culmination of it all i think okay and i think that one of the things is hard is that like you can't blame it's not fair to completely blame the bands for this because like limp biscuit is obviously like you know you know they have that song break stuff (laughs) <laughs> which is obvious, you know, that can incite something. Yeah. But I'm not sure that, you know, I, I don't think that if I, if I heard break stuff, I don't think that I would smash, you know, <laughs> you know, tear down the barricades. I mean, you'll see if you watch Limp Biscuit's set, like they tore down like the, the walls of the festival and you'll see these big plywood planks that go through the crowd. And eventually Fred Durst, the singer of Limp Biscuit, ends up like crowd surfing on one. And I, I don't know. It's just very, very weird in the way that music is now to see that. And I'd say you, you showed me that one a couple of weeks ago, but um, I think that would place in the top two of most surreal like moments. I think you might know the other one that I'm <laughs> talking about. Um, at the very end of the festival, <laughs> Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, Red Hot. Ch- I, what, what what part of Red Hot Chili Peppers okay. are you talking about? I uh. What was it about someone was passing out candles for like a vigil that they were gonna do during Under the Bridge? Yeah, something something mm-hmm. along those lines. And I'm not 100 percent sure. That led to with all the like compiled garbage and everything, they decided to take the candles and stuff and just light those piles of garbage on fire. And ironically, uh, Jimi Hendrix's sister actually asked them to cover fire by Jimi I didn't Hendrix. know that. Yeah. They they played fire while just giant piles of trash were burning and just it's it's such a chaotic scene to see. Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, yeah. And to add to that, Flea is just completely naked, jumping around on stage. Um, just like I don't know, I watched that. I'm like, how did that happen? Well, I I think that that's like one of the things that I think about when we were just watching uh, Michigan classic band Insane Clown Posse's set and they have a naked member of their band 
and the the singer, I believe it's Shaggy Too Dope. Mm-hmm. What's the other guy's name? You're asking the wrong guy. Yeah, <laughs> I the the guy that you think about when you think about yeah. insane clown posse, like like gropes a woman on stage. It was consensual. It's, but it was also very disturbing. It was, yeah, it's definitely like vulgar, yeah. you know. And I think that this is one of those things where it's like I can never imagine this happening nowadays, never. And I just think that a lot of the culture that this festival represents is just so gone. Like, I don't even think that, like, I don't know, just like the way that women are talked about and not really represented in the ba- in the festival as a whole is really emblematic of the time. Amber, what did you think of the Limp Biscuit set? Limp Biscuit was intense. Before that, I never knew, uh, like, how high-pitched Fred Durst voices in real life. Like, that was my first thing I noticed. But also, like, I was just uncomfortable. Like, I agree with what Andy was saying about, like, you can't really, like, hold the music or the band accountable. But I feel like nowadays you can. Like, if I go to a show, yes. like, a lot of the band, like, if the crowd is especially rowdy or, like, people aren't being treated well, like, it's, like, made known. Like, whether that's by people in the crowd or, like, the band themselves. Like, I feel like the behaviors that like we were talking about like the like super like angry masculine behaviors like they don't exist now because like they're in the minority now <laughs> at shows anyways like the band is more held accountable now they're more reflective of the cr- like the crowd is reflective of the band now and people kind of call out bands who like let it happen basically yeah definitely yeah i think that's absolutely true i think that's a really good point because, like, I think about, like, just, like, having, like, been in pits at shows, like, when people fall down, you pick them back up, you know? That's, that's, that's pit privilege or whatever. Pit, not privilege, <laughs> but pit, 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 pit <laughs> etiquette. <laughs> privilege. Or, like, if um, someone in the crowd, like, groped a woman, there would be, like, ten guys immediately, like, taking, the, like, the person down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, I've actually seen that, that happen. Like I was at when I was at Riot Fest, I saw that happen, and like people just like got this guy out of there like immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes and, you'll even see artists call people out in the crowd if they see that. Which is yeah, like, exactly. I've seen a lot of those videos go around where people are like, "Oh, that guy just did that. Get him out of the crowd." And it's just so crazy how often like when you're watching these, when you're watching like clips of Woodstock '99 how prevalent sexual assault yeah, it's is almost constant it's yeah really like disturbing yeah like we were just watching who set was that uh, kid rock <laughs> probably yeah i think it was kid rock and you just notice it like all the time and it's just crazy to think that people saw this happen and didn't do anything about it just because from like the perspective that i come from as like a concert goer like anytime I have seen anything like that happen. People are immediately, you know, trying to stop that and responding in like a responsible way. And I just don't see that. Yeah. That would suck. Agree. Um, do we want to move on to another set then? Sure. Actually, I think we forgot to uh, talk about how during Limp Biscuit's set, Fred Durst was literally pulled off stage and told that he would be arrested for inciting a riot. Yes. Which I think is really funny you know more about this andy yeah so my understanding of it is that after break stuff they cut his mic and pulled him off stage and told him that the police were there to 
um, arrest him for inciting a riot. He was never arrested, but I think that this is something that's really like followed like the legacy of Limp Biscuit. Also, I believe it was them that had that new day, like no big day out incident that that festival in Australia where a, something similar happened. Somebody was like trampled to death. Um, so I don't know. If, and I think that this is a hard thing to say where it's like, is Limp Biscuit a band that is driving the culture or is the culture what led to Limp Biscuit? This like culture of masculinity, you know, disregarding the people like around you. But I, I don't know. This is such an introspective topic for Limp Biscuit. <laughs> I know. Getting deep about Limp Biscuit over here. But. <laughs> I definitely think it's like a cycle thing. Like, angry men made Limp Biscuit, and Limp Biscuit made more oh. angry men. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, well said, definitely. Especially because a lot of like people that go to these festivals like aren't necessarily, like, say, like, not everyone in that pit like knew Limp Biscuit. Like I'm sure there were a lot of people in there just like being angry to be angry with no knowledge of who Limp Biscuit was at the time. No, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like when you think about Woodstock and like the initial beginnings of it, you think, oh, you know, like peaceful times. Everybody was just happy and throwing up peace signs and they're like <laughs> flower crowns and everything. And then you don't think of Woodstock 99, which was mostly rock. And then it's just like everybody going crazy moshing and with lots of like how we're saying angry men and angry people. So I think it's just like the same Woodstock, but so completely different. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Do we know if they had any like legacy artists that came back that were at the original? So I, the only one that I know of is mickey hart and planet drum mickey hart is one of the drummers from the grateful dead and he played he played on the smaller stage on i want to say on the saturday and his set is like cool it's it's not the grateful dead i he he does sing a grateful dead song which was a choice because he's the drummer but you know (laughs) let him do him i suppose Actually, yeah, in addition to that, um, during Creed's set, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, Robbie Krieger, guitarist of The Doors, uh, walks out and uh, they perform what, Roadhouse, Roadhouse Blues. Blues, yeah, and um, <laughs> Scott Staff from Creed does his best, Jim Morrison. Um, uh. they, they are pretty similar, similar figures, very, <laughs> very self righteous, just uh. Dudes, dudes, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and I think that that Creed's performance is really funny because it's not the Creed that we know. <laughs> no, yeah. Andy and I have been uh, really into Creed. It, <laughs> it started as a joke, but I think we actually kind of enjoy some of their songs. Um, yeah, yeah. But I guess this was before all the hits, really. Yeah. Um, which I didn't really pick up on at first, but yeah. Yeah. I was just gonna say I was watching the Creed one earlier today. And, like, I was, uh, like, you know how YouTube does the thing where, like, someone will comment every song and what time it starts? Yeah. I went through that, and, like, I knew, like, a single song. And then yeah. I was very thrown off by uh, the covers they did by The Doors. Like, they also did Riders on the Storm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Great choice. I was so uncomfortable when I found that. I just love the idea of, like, I like imagining, like, the phone call, like, getting called up by Scott Stepp, like, hey, 
<laughs> yeah, Creed, I only think of like now, I think of that halftime performance, of course. Oh, so good. It's <laughs> epic. Flying all over the field. So I didn't watch the Creed set though, but. The Creed set? I, I don't even know that I can really recommend it. No, I've really only seen the Doors covers, maybe My Own Prison. Um, yeah, My Own Prison. That was, that was the one that was the hit that came out around that time. But um, yeah. I, I, I think it's funny. We were observing uh, on our, like, watch today of that set that Robbie Krieger is, like, dressed <laughs> so differently. Oh, my God. Like, it, it makes sense. He's wearing, like, an Undertaker shirt. Like, and, WWE like, wrestler. <laughs> baggy yellow pants. Uh, it's, it's just, it's really funny. It's very 99. Yeah. Like, I just think about, Think about how big wrestling was. Just imagine being like the guy from the doors and being really into wrestling. <laughs> it's dope. <laughs> you bring up a good point with the outfits. I was especially like noticing oh. this was like peak 90s. Yeah. Like 99 was the year I was born. So like seeing all these outfits, I was just like, oh my gosh, like this is peak 90s wear, like going out with just like the biggest, like Kid Rock came out in a fur coat. <laughs> like just a like, fur coat and red sweatpants, correct? Or like like Adidas track pants. Yeah, every pair of pants I saw were baggy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's funny that you say that, though, because I was just talking to Max. We were watching, I can't remember whose set we were watching, but I was just like, we lived through this. <laughs> <laughs> if but, we can get through this, we can get through quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's funny to think about the fashion the fashion is so so many of these bands are so iconic just the way that they are dressed like going back to limp biscuit you have fred durst with his classic backwards baseball hat but it's not like the red the red hat that you always associate him with but oh and then there's the guy from from limp biscuit west borland the guitarist who has like the face paint on mm -hmm. that guy He's doing his own thing. He has like a really good like tribal tattoo. That's oh yeah, the, plenty of those. Plenty <laughs> of tribal tattoos. I just picture like a bunch of people looking like the lead singer from Crazy Town with, with, all, the, <laughs> <laughs> with all the star tats and everything. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think yeah. Speaking of fashion, just like it's so funny, just the lack of clothing that the audience is wearing. Um, <laughs> just, yeah, I, I think that's a result of the heat. But it too. is it is definitely a result of the heat. I probably also. Not be wearing a shirt but um yeah it, it's funny like who was i talking about like we were oh it was the offspring when we were like <laughs> we were like looking through sets earlier today and i was like this band looks like the embodiment of cheetos <laughs> just like the lead singer of the offspring is just like he looks like chester cheeto i don't know good outfits though i have to say dmx's i don't know if you oh, guys yeah. have seen it dmx's uh like I don't know. They're like, like all red fit. All all red, like uh, red overalls. They're overall capris. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. they are capris. Capris. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're like just below his knee. The red tims. Yeah, the red tims. It's a. It's genuinely like but, a good look. <laughs> but also, he like yeah. You pointed out as like as we were starting it, like oh, he's gonna lose like all of his clothes by the end of it. <laughs> Andy was right. Yeah. Well, I think that's such like a like a, a constant thing. Like you'll hear like all these performers be like, "Oh, it's so hot." Well, it was like the bug cherry guy. He was like, "Oh, it's so hot up here." <laughs> <laughs>
I want those overalls, not gonna lie. They're sick. It's a sick outfit. It rocks. I'm just saying, like, it's not bad compared to some other ones. We're just like. Who's who's your worst dressed of Woodstock 99? I don't know. Uh, Rage Against the Machines. Theirs was underwhelming for me. It was just very simple. Yeah. Yeah. I think Rage Against the Machines set in general was a little underwhelming. I just felt like they they weren't super energetic. Ooh, you know who is like best and worst dressed? Corn. Yeah, Corn. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> the, the lead singer of Corn is Amber, you want to you want to explain this this fit? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, let me pull up a picture real quick. Real quick, what's the Scottish skirt called again? Kilt. <laughs> okay. Basically, he's wearing like a metal version of like a Scottish getup. Like he has the kilt and like the long socks with the ribbons, but they're leather and studded and like they all have fringe on them. <laughs> also, it's I think it's like a standard corn fit too, right? I would assume so. I don't so. think this was a one-time thing. But I think so because George, our coworker, went to a corn concert this year earlier and I think they were wearing kilts. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, they have a song where they bring out bagpipes. And they did bring out the bagpipes at Woodstock 99. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God bless. Um, I was thinking, though, earlier, I was just looking at some of these sets, and a lot of these sets depended up completely upon the performer's energy and, like, what they brought alone. Because nowadays, I feel like a lot of performers rely on visuals and light shows and, oh, yeah, and like, extra stuff so watching this i was like this is just like purely based on the artist so i thought it was cool how that was just like such a big change i yeah. noticed between festivals now versus then that's a really good point yeah, i didn't even thought about that i didn't yeah. even think about that mm-hmm. like the only show where i can really think about the lights being a big deal is metallica's and yeah i mean even even there i mean like just having gone to like big festivals before like when i saw lcd sound system like that's so like their show is so reliant on like the lights. It's also a totally different genre, right? No, ab- absolutely. That's yeah. definitely true. Yeah, but like the stage setups of these are just so different. I mean, it's just funny to see how, I mean, there's only two main stages for Woodstock, but like there's like half a million people there. I think that the estimates are like 400,000 people. Like I can only imagine that there were 200,000 people watching corn that night. Can you imagine being the back of that sea of people? Not even being able to see them at all. Like they're just tiny, tiny little specks in the horizon. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, and I've, I've been to festivals where that was the case too, but I just feel like this would be so much worse. Yeah, I feel like they didn't even, I don't, not that I noticed they didn't have video on the sides, yeah. did they? No, I, I don't. I don't think that that was a thing yet. Because I I saw a lot of cameras, but I think that was just for taping purposes. Yeah. Well, the it was actually like streamed via pay per view, so you could you could have bought Woodstock '99 on pay per view and watched it from home, which I would probably prefer. <laughs> yeah, I would. I think that based on like the the stories that I have heard, I would definitely prefer that. Yeah. Yeah, based on looking at the crowd. And not being able to see them up close, you're probably mm-hmm. going to get a spot that's like way in the back. I feel like I'd much prefer to pay to see my favorite band or something. Mm-hmm. I agree. A lot of people were getting in 
to the festival without paying, right? Yeah. At some point. Yeah, I don't think that there's ever been a Woodstock where everybody paid. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, because the, the first one was supposed to be free. I'm not sure about 94, but 99, uh, after like the second day, they were like, it's free. It's the world's largest free festival. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Did they or were there just people breaking down the fences? Well, I think that people broke down the fences to the point where there weren't really fences anymore. Okay. We just so, gave up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then the one that uh, almost happened, what, last year, this year? Yeah, I was supposed um, to go. And it was going to be free because they, uh, all their investors backed out or whatever. Yeah, that was sad how, wasn't? yeah, it was last year. It got all canceled. It was not really sure why, but at least it didn't end up being a fire festival. So, Well, <laughs> I, I think about that a lot. I mean, I think that a lot of the same issues that, Woodstock 99 fell victim to were also the issues that Woodstock 50 was fell victim to. I mean, mm-hmm. you see all these, like, I mean, the, the lineup was insane. It was bizarre, but it was insane. It was like, like Miley Cyrus was going to go Miley Cyrus, dead and company chance. The rapper John Fogarty. Yeah. John Fogarty. <laughs> Canteen, I think was supposed to be there. Oh yeah. Canteen. Yeah. Um, stalker mommy. I almost want to say arcade fire. I, don't probably yeah Maybe a cage the elephant or something yeah like i think that. cage the elephant was definitely mm. but all of these issues like the reason i got shut down like was like these like security issues they weren't able to get like a mass gathering permit or something like that and the the promoter this guy michael lang who was the one who set up he he had a hand in all of the woodstocks he ended up trying to get like half a million people into the original Woodstock farm when the government said that he could only get like a hundred thousand or something like that. Hmm. Rolling Stone has a really good article on it. And I'm probably misrepresenting what they said, but I think that sounds right. Makes me sad that we probably won't have another concert until fall of this year. I'll remember places. (laughs) I'll remember seeing your friends, but yeah, it's weird. Like it made me kind of happy to see some sets when we're all like cooped up inside to actually like see music again i was like oh this is actually a good reminder i'm glad that i'm actually watching this right now yeah it's all temporary i suppose yeah mm-hmm. at least i'm not watching limp biscuit right now yeah that's true at least i'm not at your house being subjected to limp biscuit right now <laughs> <laughs> points were made <laughs> Valid. do we want to move on to um alanis more sets sure I liked her set a lot. Um, I liked that it was at Golden Hour. She was glowing. Uh, <laughs> she was powerful. She was at peak Alanis. Okay, I want to make sure that I get this right. Who is it oh that God. you want to know is about? Joey from Full House. Thank you. I always <laughs> want to say the guy who played uh, Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Oh, that's Matthew Lillard. <laughs> Matthew Lillard, yeah. No, it was not him. No, it's uh, Dave Coulier, I believe is his name. Yes. That's, yes. You ought to know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because, like, she is one of the few people, I think, who, like, really, like, represents the original, like, Woodstock sound at this festival. Not even in, you know, like, obviously it's not, doesn't sound similar, but I think it's this same vibe. You know, this kind of, uh, I don't know, there's nothing violent about Alanis Morissette. Nobody was moshing during this set, I don't really think. 
No, I don't think so. They all looked just like happy, chill. <laughs> I liked her set a lot though. It was just like, again, classic Alanis. She had her hair in a long braid mm-hmm. and baggy pants. I think they're cargo oh, pants. Great, great fit. Yeah. Great fit. Mm-hmm. Nothing but baggy pants, Jenko jeans. Jenko <laughs> jeans. Exactly. What I love to see from her. Yeah. The dream of the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what other sets did you guys like a lot? Good question. I I don't think I've watched a full set from this. I've just seen bits and pieces, mostly through exposure uh, via Andy. Um, I do come back to the Limp Biscuit set a lot. I knew nothing about Limp Biscuit like a month ago. And now I get Nookie stuck in my head like every other day. <laughs> yeah, what else was there? <laughs> I let me look at the the lineup here. There were a few that I would actually like unironically enjoy, like uh, George Clinton and it, it wasn't Parliament Funkadelic. It was it was the, the P Funk All Stars. Yep, yep. And James Brown was there, right? Yeah, James Brown was there on that Friday. I want to say, mm-hmm. not totally sure about that. Also, yeah, to add to the. Uh, Bands I ironically like. <laughs> uh, Sugar Ray was supposed to, they were on the bill, but Mark McGrath got sick and they could not make it. But I, that would have been amazing. Uh, uh, Sugar Ray said it Woodstock 99. I can only imagine. Yeah, I feel like if Sugar Ray had performed Woodstock 9, I don't know. I'd like to think that it would be like that, like one thing and like the shift of the timeline that made it even worse of a festival or the best festival of all time. (laughs) Well, Aerosmith was supposed to be there too. And I think Aerosmith canceled because they, I don't know, maybe they saw the writing on the wall or something. (laughs) With the bigger festivals like this, I always like reading like the Wikipedia section about like, uh, like the people who were supposed to play or like the missed connections that didn't make it like that kind of stuff yeah which ones are you talking about i'd honestly have to look i just remember like one of the nights we were talking about it i was like going through each of the years lineups or like each of the years wikipedia's and looking at the different ones that didn't end up making it for that there's also the roots i haven't seen any performance the roots the roots awesome yeah is that uh is that jimmy fallon's band it is it is but there's so much more than that they're such a sick band they really are they like they like rip it up Mm -hmm. uh woodstock that's another one of those bands like that i think represents i don't know just like good vibes they're a good band i think about our lady peace was at woodstock our lady peace is like wwe core It's a great one. Yeah. And then I, I love looking at the uh, the, the emerging artist stage. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, makes sense that I, like, don't know a lot of these. Yeah. Um, but, like, it's interesting. You see some that actually made it big, like Moby. Um, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Like the vegan? Yep. Uh, vegan for life, <laughs> Moby. Yeah. <laughs> like the vegan. <laughs> I guess that's... that's... I didn't know him until he got those tattoos. <laughs> I found the cancellations. So... Jeff Beck was scheduled to perform but had to cancel due to a scheduling conflict. Actually, I think Jeff, sorry to interrupt, uh, the Jeff Beck group actually broke up, I think, like right before. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that. And then Sugar Ray, like you mentioned, were supposed to perform, but Mark McGrath got sick. And then Al Green was uh, supposed to appear, but he backed out because of Jay, or John F. Kennedy Jr.'s death. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I don't know the connection there. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I missed something there. Sorry, I can't come. JFK Jr. just died. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess. Huh. Yeah, so what other sets do we want to talk about? I know we haven't officially talked about Kid Rock's set, but his was one 
that like him now I don't love but he does come from Michigan so I feel like he is one of our great states you know like representatives he's from Detroit you know we love him kind of uh you know he's changed throughout the years but watching this set it was the most insane thing I think I've ever watched he just comes out in a fur coat he doesn't come out until like 10 minutes later but I think the true star was the drummer uh, it was a girl drummer named Steph, and I loved her. She was just rocking it out the whole time. But, yeah, Kid Rock was very interesting. I loved that he was shouting about Michigan, and I was like, represent, yeah. you know, the brand. But it was just an experience. I feel like, I don't even know. It's just crazy. <laughs> Kid Rock said is funny because I think that at one point he told people to throw water bottles at him. Which, like, there's $6, but people did it. And there's this really cool picture of Kid Rock getting water bottles thrown at him from the festival. Oh, yeah. I would I would recommend looking that up. Mm-hmm. It's very – it's one of the classic images of the festival. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, him – and he had some guests, too. But I feel like his stage was just full. And he – I feel like he – if police were to uh, actually arrest somebody for inciting stuff, I feel like it would be him. <laughs> Really? <laughs> I don't know. His crowd seemed extra. Like every time they showed the crowd, like I showed my little brother who has never been to a concert before, and he was like, I don't want to go to a concert anymore. <laughs> okay, that was me in middle school looking up Wall of Death on YouTube. <laughs> exactly. Like it's just like super, like everybody's shoving each other, and it looks like everybody's like falling down. So he was like, absolutely not. <laughs> Amber, I think the only time I've ever done a wall of death was at a Day to Remember show. Valid. Uh, We don't have to talk about when I do that. (laughs) Any final thoughts on uh, Woodstock 99? I don't know, but we gotta go pretty soon because my radiator is going crazy. I don't know if you can hear that. (laughs) It's going ham! I don't know. What are our closing conversation pieces? Yeah. Um, I guess just if you're interested in music at all, like we are, uh, I would highly recommend looking at any of these sets. They're all on YouTube. And now YouTube has this feature where you can skip forward to any song. It shows you what song is playing. It's really cool. But I think it's really cool to look at these festivals and see how much they have changed throughout the years. Absolutely. Well said. Big agree. It is a bit of a culture shock to see how different things were in terms of crowds like what was allowed um for bands to do and also like just general like festival venue issues i don't think any of these things could ever happen today (laughs) i 100 percent agree all right so i guess for impact 89 fm this has been social night tune in next time